0: When many Christians think of idolatry, the first thought which most likely comes to their mind is some gross picture of an idol in a pagan statue or some spooky druid worship ceremony or a bunch of odd New Age paraphernalia they once saw on the shelves of a store in Sedona, Arizona. But few, if any, will associate idolatry with a picture of Jesus hanging on the wall at church or of a crucifix hanging around their necks. But these things are the things... The second commandment is prohibiting when it says, Thou shalt not make any graven images. The second commandment is talking about making any image of any of the persons of the Trinity. So stay tuned with us tonight as we talk about the application of the second commandment
1: here on Sinners and Saints. In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, We're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous, 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge.
0: Alright, thanks for joining us again tonight on Sinners and Saints. We're continuing on on our study on the Ten Commandments. We've been talking about the Second Commandment now for a few weeks here. Joining us as usual on our discussion is Reverend Moses Jambazian from Pasadena United Reformed Church and Pastor Adam Kalushian from Ontario United Reformed Church. And I'm John Sautel, church planter in the Walnut, California area. We're talking about the second application, uh, this, the application of the second commandment. Last time, uh, last couple of times, really, we've spent it on uh, the public worship of God. This time we want to take it to the issue of images. Clearly, that's what the commandment forbids. It says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. And we just wanted to make the point here, before we go on into that, that if some of the things we've been saying have been uh, uh, stimulating to you about how this applies to worship, please call us, 866-99-UNITED. We want to talk to you about uh, some of the further implications of this to the issue of public worship, but we realize we have to move on in this series. So we're going to bring it down now to the issue of images. What is strictly forbidden or prohibited here in this second commandment as it pertains to images?
2: Well, Heidelberg Catechism, question 97, says, God cannot and may not be visibly portrayed in any way. So that's really the main prohibition that we're dealing with is that the one true God will not have those whom he made now try to remake him by their own artistic imagination because then we are playing God upon God. But uh, wait a minute. I mean, you'll hear people say, but listen, God is the one who has
3: endowed us with artistic creativity and giftedness, and it just seems like God would want us to express our devotion to him by... You know, imagining his beauty and portraying him in pictures and images and these things, and besides which you guys are always so negative and this is just a commandment that forbids making images of him like the other pagan nations were making images of their gods. Now here you go again trying to force it on us today.
0: Well, you know, I suppose that argument may hold some weight uh, to it if the word of God just weren't so painfully clear. Um, The fact is, the scriptures... Uh, just so uh, predominantly, emphatically, pervasively teach that there is no way that God is going to permit us to make any image of him at all. Deuteronomy chapter 4 is absolutely so clear about this, uh, where where, uh, Moses says, Take heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. And he says, so lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. You know, I don't know how you get plainer than that. God says no.
2: Yeah, we really have to deal with the fact that God is saying that you cannot understand me and know me apart from my word. And in my word, I've given to you no portrayal of my visible appearance. And therefore, I do not want you to attempt these things. This would be to actually now place yourself in the position where you are judging me and determining how I will be portrayed and seen and understood by others. And that, of course, would be the height of arrogance.
0: Well, I do want to back up to something you did say, Adam, when you were trying to sort of play the devil's advocate there. Shouldn't we use our aesthetic sensibilities and so forth and use those in some way? We need to be very clear about this. The second commandment is not forbidding the making Of all images or statues or visual representations of things. Because clearly you have all kinds of examples of of God being pleased with art and image making and so forth. As long as it doesn't pertain to religious uh, or worship uses. Yeah,
3: or represent
2: him. Or represent him. Yeah, actually the Catechism Question 97 continues on. It says, although creatures may be portrayed... Yet God forbids making or having such images if one's intention is to worship them or to serve God through them. So there really isn't a problem with art that we are complaining about. In fact, art has done wonderful things for us. It actually beautifies our homes. But the fact is that God is not to be worshipped through art. That's the thing that we have to deal with here. You know, you know what we're talking about. I mean, this commandment
3: clearly forbids the predominant form of worship in, say, the Roman Catholic tradition, where all kinds of images, not only of God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but also of, say, the saints or of any number of you know, abstract ideas portrayed in an image are used in the worship and the prayer uh, supposedly toward God. That is exactly what he is forbidding here.
0: We come back after the break. We're going to take up this issue of why we cannot make images of God. We need to concentrate very carefully on what the scriptures say, and then we're going to take it from the prohibition against making any idols and see how it relates to this whole business of making pictures of Jesus and so forth. So stay tuned with us after the break on Sinners and Saints.
2: There is no greater joy in the Christian's life than to worship God according to his word, and there is nowhere better in the San Gabriel Valley to do this than at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. So come join us this Sunday at 9 a.m. and at 6 p.m. at 226 West Colorado Boulevard in Arcadia. You can call us at 866-99-UNITED or look us up on the web at sinnersaint.org.
1: This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge.
3: Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalustian. I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway. Go north one block to Philadelphia Street. Turn right and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church, 866-99-UNITED.
0: Okay, thanks for joining us again after the break. We're dealing with the Second Commandment. It's application to... uh, our daily living. We're taking up this very specific aspect of the commandment of not forming or fashioning any graven images. We said that, uh, you know, clearly Scripture prohibits us. We want to go through some biblical arguments, however, for why this is just not tolerable, why God prohibits it, and it's uh, such an important issue.
2: Well, I think, again, there's a big problem with man's pride and man wanting to do things his way as opposed to God's. And part of the problem with making images of God is that you make him the way you want him to be rather than the way he reveals himself. And so you freeze him in a moment of time conceptually that will make you feel best. And that's usually, of course, where he's being very weepy and sappy with you or something like that because – he's more approachable, or you make him into this powerful warrior image that will defend you. But you're not dealing with the holiness of God. There's really no way to portray that in art. And so what we need to do is say, look, we are creatures. And we are not going to turn around and now become the creator of our creator.
0: One of the the key reasons given, we already referenced this passage before. Uh, It's Deuteronomy chapter 4. We read from verse 15 where Uh, There it says, when the Lord spoke to Israel at Sinai, they didn't see any form. But you go back a couple of verses before that to verse 12, and you see something very important, which forms a very important contrast between the verbal and the visual. Verse 12 says, and the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. You only heard a voice. You see, the contrast here is between a verbal and a visual relationship. God has ordained that we will have a verbal relationship with him, a, a relationship based upon words and not visions.
2: And that's why it is the preached word that is the means of grace that God has appointed as the primary means by which he will be known. And that's why Paul says, you know, we have to send out the preachers in order to preach the gospel. When he's when he is chastising the Galatians for the errors that they've made in their theology, he says, you had Christ visibly portrayed to you, or... Portrayed to you in this manner, which is, of course, the preached word that Paul had brought.
0: And, and this is so important because you hear people, and you'll 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 hear them talk about God, and they say, "Oh, when I think of God, I think of this, or I think of a beautiful cloud, or you can go on and on of all the different kind of things that people will say." But you know, the right answer to what do you think of when you think of God is. I think of nothing. I don't know. God never gave me any inkling, any kind of idea of what he looks like. And that's for my benefit because if he had, we would turn it into an idol and we would end up honoring God in some false way, offering false worship. The fact is, he saw no form and that's why God says, you don't make any images of me.
3: Well, this is all good and fine. I think I would venture to guess that a majority of people listening to this show would agree that visible portrayals of God the Father, or even God the Holy Spirit, are forbidden. And they might even be willing to go so far as to say they agree with us that the second commandment forbids making images of God the Father, or God the Spirit. But, very common in all expressions of Christianity, no less in evangelicalism and Protestantism, are pictures of Jesus Christ. Now, are you saying that we are forbidden from making pictures of Jesus?
0: Absolutely, 100% yes. But I'll, I'll challenge you on that. Uh, very common today in evangelicalism is the idea of representing the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. It's it's just almost as common now as pictures of Jesus among evangelicals. So for some reason we think it's okay to represent the Spirit and the Son. I don't see as many representations of the Father, and I'm not sure why that's the case. Okay, yeah, well, here's... Of, them, uh, of any of the persons of the Trinity, no. God forbids a representation of them.
3: Oh, what they're going to tell you, John, is but your argument was that God has never portrayed himself in a visible form, say God the Father in the Old Testament, therefore we are not free to make images of him. But what the people will tell you is, Jesus did walk the earth. He did come, you know, the scripture says, he is the expression of the invisible God. He is the exact representation of his image. So he is, he was visible to us, and the Holy Spirit in the baptism of Jesus descended upon Jesus as like a dove. So there you have it. Now, isn't that clear indication in the Bible that pictures of Jesus, because he walked around and he was real in history, we could see him, and the dove, we saw the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, give no, us authorization to make the pictures No, know.
2: because you're making a jump. You're basically saying because God did portray himself at a particular time, therefore he now grants us warrant or permission to also portray him. But that's not true, because in the Old Testament, God did make himself visible a few times, where he did come in the Theophanies, where it was the angel of God, the messenger of God. And at that time, still, they were not prohibited to use what they had seen in order to come up with some sort of figure
0: that's exactly the, the the vein of the argument i would present too as well because you have all these people say well yeah you, but you you have these preparations for jesus coming through these uh these visible theophanies so clearly god can be pictured he could be imaged well go back to those did god ever say it was permissible or tolerable for israel to make representations now visual representations or images of him because he appeared to them in theophany Well, the obvious answer is absolutely not. In fact, there's cases of it in Scripture where it was done. One of them is in Judges and where God rebuked Israel because it led them into all kinds of gross idolatry and blasphemies.
2: You also have something very remarkable here. John 16, verse 7, Jesus says, "...it's not a profit for you for me to remain, but rather that I leave and send you the Spirit." And so, if Jesus says, "My very physical presence is of less benefit to you than the sending of the Spirit," how much less benefit would it be to have an image of the physical presence of Jesus?
3: Yeah, and since we're on the topic of pictures of Jesus, I mean, look, the the person that you are portraying is not Jesus. I mean, this is if if people just pass over this as if this is insignificant. But when we try to portray our precious Lord Jesus Christ by pictures. Why do people forget that the pe- the people that they're drawing is simply, it's not Jesus? It yes. is so offensive to me
2: that people would put on paper a representation of Jesus that is not him. Yeah, see, I tried that once. I had this picture from a magazine, and I said, this is my wife. And my wife almost strung me up because here I am saying, oh, no, this, this woman, this model is how I picture my wife to be. And that's what I'm showing to others. And she made it very clear, no, that's not acceptable. And in the same way, like, if we don't know what Jesus looks like, don't make images of him and claim it's him now. And the, the amazing
3: thing is that depending on the, the cultural period in which Jesus is portrayed and supposedly portrayed in a picture, he will take on different features. John, you were learning this, alluding to this earlier. This is the nature of idolatry. We make God into something that we want him to be. So, for example, if we want to portray Jesus as we... Generally, do in this culture as one who is, for the most part, very gentle, very nice, never speaking harsh words, very kind, very, the so- lamb. very soft, very soft as I've heard it said by somebody tip-toeing, tiptoeing through the tulips, eating ice cream and drinking Kool-Aid. We make a nice blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus with long flowing locks and a very trimmed beard with a very nice expression on his face with his foot dabbling in the stream, standing next to the white the white lamb. That is the Jesus that I want. Therefore, I portray him like that. The point is he, we are projecting our own image of what we want Jesus to be onto the picture of him that is exactly what idolatry is
0: okay you bring up some good points but i'm going to come back after the break and i'm going to challenge you with some some of the arguments people make for why this is this is just can't possibly be right why we should be able to make pictures of god or jesus or the holy spirit so stay tuned with us after the break on sinners and saints
4: Americans are known for their independence and self-reliance. We take little stock in other people's opinions. Americans want to examine and form our own conclusions about everything, and if something isn't to our liking, we'll fix it. These characteristics have served us well in casting off monarchies and taming the wild frontier. But are they really the best qualities for building Christ's church? At Grace Evangelical Church, we think one thing our culture doesn't need to reinvent are the tried and tested truths of orthodox Christianity. We take delight in the faith of our fathers, in the biblical truths captured by the three forms of unity. We believe the truths of the Reformation gospel of justification by faith alone are the only solution for the multitude of problems that face America today. We invite you to come worship with us at Grace Evangelical Church. For more information, you may contact us at area code 310-782-7019. That's 310-782-7019.
0: Okay, as promised, we said after the break we'd come back and start talking about some of the reasons why people argue that it's certainly permissible for us to fashion our images, at least of Christ, uh, of, of Jesus. And uh, J.I. Packer here in this book called Knowing God gives uh, a series of arguments that people use. By the way, Packer is 100% opposed to the use of any images of any of the persons of the Godhead, because he is basing his arguments on Scripture. But he says, "Here's some common arguments. He says, first of all, the worship of God requires Christian aesthetic expression through the visual arts, no less than it requires Christian moral expression through family love and neighbor love. So in other words, we're saying, is the worship of God requires some sort of a use of our aesthetic senses?
3: And my response to that is, if we accept that line of reasoning, then somebody could easily also argue that is it is acceptable to manipulate my digestive system another one of my human properties to make a an image of the lord jesus christ and nobody could argue against me because that's a natural human property that i have and everything that i have should be allowed to make an image of jesus this is stupid you got to show me from the scripture where that is commanded of us
0: uh. <clears throat> Okay, so clearly you have no uh, aesthetic sensibilities, so you're opposed <laughs> to this, that's why. We always know that's the dead white guy, European Calvinists never have any imagination, that's why they're opposed to it. But uh, another argument he gives here, and this is probably one that I think most people would use uh, that, that support the idea of images. They say, well, images trigger devotion. In other words, they they inspire me. They make me think about God. So why not use them?
2: See, I agree that they inspire you. I just don't think they inspire you to worship the true God. Because as we've already quoted from Deuteronomy, God makes it very clear that he never presented himself in a manner that we could see him in order to worship him. And when he does talk about images in Isaiah, he mocks it. He basically says, look, you've got a piece of wood that you take part of it and you build a house with it, part of it that you burn, and then you make part of it as me and to worship me. That's insane.
3: Yeah, I think you want to think about the idea that the way that God has desired clearly to apprehend our minds and our hearts is through the word. We are a people of the book, the scripture, the word. We're not a people of pictures, God certainly could have, in his wisdom, decided to portray himself in pictures, but he didn't do that. He inspired his word, and so we should not be trying to supplant his way of revealing himself by coming up with other ways to spur our devotion.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So, you say, uh, at the end of the day, you want on the fact of worship. Yes, we cannot make images of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for uh, worship or devotion. But what about teaching? I mean, it could be very useful, by the way... Uh, and me teaching uh, lessons about Jesus, you know whether it 's the Sermon on the Mount or you know one of his lovely parables or something like that wouldn 't it be nice if I had a, a nice little picture of Jesus there with some disciples sitting around him and, and just listening and hanging on his every word wouldn 't I learn something wouldn 't it bring something to, to, to the the story that would really drive it home to me?
3: Yes, Moses, what about the children I mean the children they can 't read yet. So we have to communicate to them in a way that they can
2: understand, and they can understand with pictures. First of all, that's absolute nonsense, because children learn in many different ways. Pictures are just a small part of their learning process. The other is that you have to say, look, for especially those of you who are saying, look, I'm becoming convinced of the Calvinist system— then you have to say, look, there is a reason why all the Reformed confessions, all the Reformers said this is not acceptable. And they made it very clear, let's, number one, not be wiser than God. Let us not do something that God did not give us to do in order to honor him. So,
3: yeah, let me read that, Moses, from Heidelberg Catechism, question answer 98. But may not pictures be tolerated in the churches as books for the people, to teach the people? And the answer to the question is no. We should not be wiser than God, who will not have his people taught by dumb idols, but by the lively preaching of his word. You see, I don't want my children, the children in my church, I don't want anybody's children to have some image in their mind communicating to them about who Jesus supposedly was. What I want is for them to hear the stories about who Jesus actually was, the inspired words of God, to shape in their thinking as they grow who Jesus actually is, because that is Jesus. Jesus. Not this picture, supposedly, of him.
2: Also keep in mind, children learn language, all the complexities of language. They learn logic. None of this is done with pictures. It's simply done because God has given them the ability to learn as they hear and as they observe what is going on around them.
0: So what you're saying, if I get you straight, you could just as well teach children about Christ by, say, using uh, the catechism method of question and answers and having them repeat biblical truths about Christ and will actually learn about him in, in a way that's even better than if you just showed them a bunch of cute little pictures of Jesus running around the hillside.
3: Yeah, and, that's, and my, my point is that's not just my opinion, but that is in God's wisdom the way in which he has encapsulated the life of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world. He chose to give us the stories about Jesus' life. So we sit down with our children and read the stories to them and explain them as opposed to fabricating some supposed picture of who we think who has which, again, we bring all our cultural baggage and all our idolatrous baggage to that anyway and make him how we want him to be. Instead of that, read the stories, explain them, and the, the mind of God's children will be expanded to glorify him and worship him in truth.
0: Well, there you have it. That's at least our opinion on the use of images and the opinion of the reform through their catechisms and official statements Uh, God says don't make any graven images And that means exactly what it says there We don't make any images or visual representations Of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit And not even pictures of Jesus We want to thank you for joining in on this discussion On sinners and saints Hey, if you want to know more about us Check us out on the internet That's sinnersaint.org You also have the PayPal account there. Go ahead and make a visit to that particular uh, portion of the website. If you've been profiting from these discussions, we invite you to go ahead and and contribute a little bit to the cause of Sinners and Saints and the uh, teaching of the Reformed Faith on the airwaves. So call us at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED. We'd love to sit down and talk more with you about these things. Thanks for staying tuned tonight on Sinners and Saints.
1: Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED. Reformation Radio, Theology
2: with an Edge. Come to worship God at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Hear the gospel faithfully preached. Rejoice in the God of your salvation. Come and join us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. We are located at 226 West Colorado in Arcadia off the Santa Anita exit of the 210 freeway. Call us at 866-99-UNITED or visit us at urcsocal.org.